This is Pulse 95. Pulse 95. It's a Shasha story. Life Beats, Life Beats. with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. 95. And welcome to Life Beats. I'm Sally Musa. Video game addiction as a concept has been tossed around for the past decade or so. But recently, the World Health Organization classified gaming disorder as a new disorder. But when does an intense interest cross over into serious gaming addiction? Dr. Sarah Rasmi, Assistant Professor of Practice in Psychology at the American University of Sharjah, is here to help us unpack the problem. What does it mean to be addicted to video games and what are the signs to look out for? Is it in fact a symptom of another problem and how do people get addicted and how can that person get help? You can get in touch with the show to share your experience or to ask questions. You can text us 4215 on Itasala2022 on do. And you can text us also on Instagram on Pulse95 Radio. You can give us a call in studio as well on 600 551 449. And all comments and questions will be kept confidential where requested. It is Life Beats with me, Sally Musa, on Pulse95. You're listening to. Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Talk about radio? It's Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. 95. Yes, hello and welcome to the show. We are talking video game addiction today with Dr. Sarah Rusmi. Welcome to Life Beats. Oh, hold on a minute. I need to turn you on. Hello. There you are. Hi. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the show. Great to have you. Uh, Now, this topic uh, is quite complex. There's a lot uh, around this and there's been a lot of talk around it, particularly since um, the World Health Organization uh, talked about uh, video game disorder. And I want to get your opinion on that, the difference between an addiction and a disorder what are we talking about here because a lot of parents will be listening to this and thinking i'm not sure if my son or daughter is addicted to video games i'm not sure if i'm addicted to video games mm-hmm. um because as uh, we were talking earlier it's not just those who are sitting and playing fortnite or you know league of legends or um you know whatever those games happen to be the most popular ones um it's your candy crush people as well mm-hmm. um uh, that I hear about. I've never played the game. I can't say that I've ever played it. Um, but so let's start there. Like, what are we what are we talking about when we talk about a video game disorder or addiction? What does that mean? So the first thing that I want to say is that the WHO identified it as a disorder, but the verdict is still out in the psychological and psychiatric community. It's definitely been flagged as something that we need to look into, but. We just don't know enough about what's going on to formulate symptoms and start to look at different treatment options and things like that. So it's on everyone's radar, but Mm. it's not officially recognized as of yet. Now, to answer your question about addiction versus disorder, an addiction can be a kind of disorder. And a lot of the properties of it are kind of what the WHO identified when they uh, characterized video gaming disorder, something that you feel a compulsion 
to do and something that you have a lot of difficulty giving up and that something also significantly impairs various domains of your life. Mm. And and I think they mention as well that it's got to be for a period of at least 12 mm-hmm. months. Mm-hmm. So there's a time period that they've mm-hmm. put on this as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it, it's affecting parts of your life uh, and it's for a prolonged period. Yes. Um, we've got with us in the studio as well, Mikhail. Hello, Mikhail. Adia. Hello, Sally. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Um, you are somebody who loves gaming. Yes. Um, and we've brought you into the discussion because you have a lot of experience around this. Um, you know, from you playing, from seeing your friends play. Yeah. Um, and you kind of actually say that there are times when you have felt, quote unquote, addicted. Yes. Uh, to playing games. Tell us about your experience. Okay. So uh, I've been playing, I've been playing video games almost since I was a kid. My mom got me a PS1 when I was like six years old. And um, it wasn't really, um, it, it was really like the greatest thing, honestly, because. Um, it slowly became like a, a personal mm-hmm. hobby of mine, and over time, as uh, as the consoles got better, the games got better. The more I grew fond of of the habit of gaming, and um, I would say now, uh, <laughs> I know it's a weird term, but I I do consider myself a bit hardcore. Okay. Because um, gaming is a part of my life. Mm-hmm. I love it very much. Um, I'm into the culture. I'm into the communities. Mm-hmm. I'm in, into the industry itself. So. Um, yeah, uh, gaming is, it's a part of my life and I, it's not something I could easily let go of. Mm. Yeah. What is it that the research tells us, Dr. Uh, Sarah, about, uh, video games and why and how they're addictive and the, the different kind of aspects to how they affect us and, and particularly how they affect young people as well? There is so much literature around it and it's extremely complex a lot of the research that's been done on video games has especially looked at video games that have a violent or an aggressive component because a lot of parents uh, over time have become concerned especially you were just saying a minute ago that Mm -hmm. from ps1 to the ps4 and with all the other consoles things have improved a lot the animation the The animation the the graphics things look real Mm -hmm. um photorealistic at this point totally realistic i mean you're going into virtual reality now Mm -hmm. where you're putting on a a completely immersive headset Mm -hmm. um you know these are more and more available it used to be like really expensive to get those but Mm -hmm. now you know you can get them pretty much Mm -hmm. with any console right Mm -hmm. and they're still at the early stage um there's a lot of a lot of room for improvement a lot to what it could um pretty much change in the next generation of gaming and it's like this technology is part of the excitement isn't Mm -hmm. it yeah, absolutely. That mm-hmm. you want to just consume it and see what's next and get into it and, mm-hmm. you know, go into those worlds. And a lot of people, uh, you know, young people or otherwise, even adults will say, you know, well, I play games, I play video games mm-hmm. to let off some steam yep. and to, you know, just to get away from the everyday and what's going on for me. But can it actually be a sign of something else? So how how effective is it, first of all? to be playing video games mm-hmm. to let off steam yeah. before it becomes a problem. So this is one of the things. So what I was saying is that um, violent video games have received a lot of attention and there's tens of thousands of studies that have been done around that. Mm-hmm. And people are so divided. So on the one hand, you have people, and I mean people in the mainstream community, but also in the scientific community, people that think, yes, it does. And we see that there are links, not cause and effect, but that mm-hmm. there are links between playing these types of games physiological arousal, um, aggressive emotions and behaviors and cognitions and things like that. 
And there's the other side of it, which is exactly what you just described. People who believe that it's cathartic in a way and it's a way to release it. Mm -hmm. So it's a hot button issue. And I can imagine that this video game addiction is going to be kind of the next wave of hot button issues around this major topic because it's it's it feels prescriptive in a way. And I think that um, that's that's something that even I struggle with dealing with. Uh, or talking to and communicating with parents, they often come to me at, at the center and will ask questions about, you know, what should I be doing? What should my kids be allowed to, to do? I'm concerned that they might be developing a disorder. This is unhealthy, so on and so forth. And I don't want to tell people what to do. And that same kind of essence of not wanting to be prescriptive, I think, is part of the reason that there's such a, a divide in mm. the um in terms of people, both uh, in the general domain and also in the academy. Is it not at times, though, and we'll come back to this point in just a moment, mm -hmm. is it not at times, though, um, there has to be a stop mm -hmm. put to the behavior mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and you kind of have to just say to your kids, that's it, we've, we've got to let it go. It's so hard. Nothing is ever black or white because there are good things. And yes. I think maybe we can talk about some of the yes. positive elements of playing games and I full disclosure I'm I'm not a gamer you know when I was young I, I played a little bit of Mario Kart um, yes but that's about that it that <laughs> Mario Kart. I still do enjoy playing it from time to time with my son although the the, the graphics are are, are um, so much better now are definitely so much better so now. let's come back to that uh, in just a moment it is Life Beats on Pulse 95 with me Sally Musa Dr. Sarah Rasmi is here we are talking video game addiction or disorder Michaela's here sharing his experience as well we would love to hear from you so do text us on Instagram on uh, text lines uh, wherever it is we'd love to hear your experience and your stories and if you've got a question for Dr. Sarah do send it in Sally Musa, only on Pulse 95. You're back with Life Beats on Pulse 95, and we are talking video game addiction. And here is the experience of one person who, in fact, went through it. I know a lot of people out there in this big world play games for fun, but many of us play games because we have to. That's what addiction is, when you can't control yourself not to do it. I became exposed to Diablo 2 and World of Warcraft really early on in my life, right when I should have been making my way out into the world. I was 18, a straight A student and on track to becoming valedictorian, but I never got that title because I became addicted to a video game. My first video game addiction came in the form of World of Warcraft. I began playing WoW when it launched in 2004, which would make me like 17 or 18 at the time. It was right when I was supposed to go to college and become an adult. It consumed me. I would sit in my room all day, every day, and this continued for years. I, I shrugged off the idea of ever going to college because I felt like I wouldn't have enough time to play my, you know, work warrior, and I fell into a really dark place. World of Warcraft ruined my motivation to leave home, finish college, and it ruined the relationship I had with a 
really lovely girl actually that I had been dating for four years prior to starting the game. Eventually, I was thrown out of my home by my mother, who could no longer support a guy who had no intention of living in the real world. Coming out of my room only to grab food, I was pasty, skinny, unhealthy, uh, a sulking mess of a human being. I had no friends, no future, and no money. I spent it all on my monthly subscription to World of Warcraft. Getting thrown out of my home, standing on the curb in the rain, with my bags sitting on the lawn, was one of the biggest wake-up calls I've probably ever had, and to this day ever have had. I was scared, I was lonely, and I just had no place to go. I had $400 to my name and my gas tank was empty, so I went to the only place I really could. I drove across town to a local casino where I had played 1-2 No Limit to pick up some cash to pay on the reg for my WoW subscription. For the next two weeks, I gambled my way enough to afford a $67 hotel room each night. In the days that I lost, I slept in my car in the freezing cold winter outside in the parking lot. As I stared into the cold night, shivering, I reflected at how I came to be at this very moment. Hungry, broke, and sad, and very, very cold. It was video game addiction that I let carry me to this very dark and lonely place. That is just a one person's uh, experience with video game addiction. Um, Dr. Sarah, rest me your thoughts on what you just heard. It was a very powerful story difficult to listen to it sounds mm. like he struggled a lot mm. putting on my scientist hat i would say that what we need to do is to find out how it's playing out for other people because it was a powerful anecdote but it doesn't really characterize for us what video game addiction might or might not be and mm. so we need to really study it carefully so that we know what the symptoms are and most importantly if it is a bona fide disorder that we develop interventions and we work on some preventative measures as well to minimize the risk of these kinds of stories happening to more and more people. Mm. Um, Mikhail. To some extent, uh, I can relate to his situation. Um, uh, gaming has, at some points, consumed me to the point where I would do nothing but just wake up, play, eat, sleep, and mm -hmm. repeat. And I think one of the reasons why, and it's again like it's it's very just you never know what the reason is but for me was because i was a completionist every game i played i wanted to get a hundred percent i felt if i did that i got this great like sense of accomplishment mm -hmm. and you know gaming to me as well is like it's an escape to everyday stress mm -hmm. everyday worries mm -hmm. and i felt when i was playing i i felt i was in control mm -hmm. i had everything you know um under under what i like the way I wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. That's how, kind of, like that's what gaming does to you, mm -hmm. you know. And and you just get hooked in, it, hooked hooked in it, for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think something really important for us to discuss, and we started talking about it a bit before the break, is some of the positive elements of it. Yeah. And so it can be a stress relief. Mm. It doesn't need to be a stress relief to the point that it's escapist. Yeah. But it can be a stress relief. And as we were talking about during the break it can help actually develop a lot of skills. So playing video games isn't all bad. And some of the, the research does show that people who do play video games can improve their spatial abilities. Mm -hmm. And for people who work in spatial fields like architects or engineers, it can actually be beneficial for them. So there are some good elements. The issue is where do you draw the line and yeah. how do you implement healthy boundaries if you're a parent for your child? Exactly. So where do you draw the line? And is it different as well 
uh, when you're talking about different age groups mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. of kids, mm-hmm. um, when she, when because I remember well, like we were like one of the first kind of um, generations to to have video games. You know, the Atari came out mm-hmm. when I was really little, and and we had like Pac Man and you know racing games. I love racing games. Mm-hmm. I my brother got it, but then I started playing with him. And I realized how much I, I loved racing games mm-hmm. and how I would beat him. Yeah. I was better than him at it. Mm-hmm. And that surprised me. And so I kept playing because <laughs> I could beat him. Um, and it surprised him too. But it's like, you know, so at that time, nobody talked about video games because mm-hmm. it was a new thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now that we've had it for some time mm-hmm. um, and we've seen what it can do to um, different ages of young people, is there an age where you shouldn't be playing video games or, you know, what, when does it start and, and what should you be telling your kids? Well, I think one of the major differences between our generation and this generation is that if we did have video games at home and not everyone did, but if we did, I did as well. We only could play them at home, mm-hmm. whereas right now our kids are walking around with gaming devices in their pockets if right. they have smartphones and a lot of the games that they want to play they are available on on their smartphone. So I think that that's one point of difference. And even in schools, they have their devices and they're able to access and play things there. So it's kind of permeated across the different life domains. And that's definitely a cause for concern. In terms of what age should people be allowed to play and, and all of this kind of stuff, as I said, I don't really like to be prescriptive. I think that every family needs to decide for themselves. And the first place that you would consult in my opinion, would be, first of all, the developers of of the games. Um, what are their recommended ages? And then there's a really great resource for parents called commonsensemedia.org. And what you can do there is you can type in uh, not just games, but also TV shows and movies and songs and things like that. And it will give you, per their uh, view, what age children should be allowed to access it. Now, that being said, there's always individual difference factors. And even within a family, you might have um, a son who shows an exceptional level of maturity and you think that he would be capable of having access to these games for this amount of time. Whereas you might have a daughter or another son who, for one reason or another, isn't able to do it. So I think we need to take those things into consideration, family values into consideration. And ultimately, one of the major things, and I think that I'm a parent too. It's one of the things that I think all of us struggle with from time to time is talking to our kids about what they want as well and not just having a top-down approach of, I don't get video games. I don't really understand why you're playing them. So you're not playing them anymore. And instead having a discussion of, I can tell you are really enjoying this. Like, what is this satisfying for right. you? Starting um, the conversation with them Having about a it. conversation and then, you know, finding a middle ground that you can both be be happy with and then at the same time making sure that the other aspects of their life are being covered so that they're getting physical activity. The sleep is a major one because a lot of times kids are up playing late at night and they're not getting enough sleep and you know of course sleep is important for physical development but also for memory consolidation and a lot of other things that are imperative for school going children. So as long as it's not affecting their sleep, their social face-to-face social interaction, um, that they have other hobbies and are doing stuff like that, then maybe ha- giving them a bit more leeway could be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we have someone who commented on the InstaLive. Uh, she said, I do believe this kind of addiction is to do with the lack of other kinds of physical stimulation. Mm-hmm. I can I can agree to that. Do you agree with that, Mikhail? Yeah. yeah. You, do, you do need to have other hobbies, to be honest. You know? mm-hmm. 
like gaming is still my main factor but i do like you know i i try to go out and play badminton every once in a while yeah. or go for a jog or swim yeah it's it's very important for me in, yeah and my health especially because gaming is so sedentary mm. it is you know you don't you don't move a lot and we know from all the research across loads of fields how important physical activity is for our physical and mental health so I agree. I, I, I want to come back uh, with you, Dr. Sarah, and um, ask you when uh, could this kind of thing, video game addiction, be uh, a sign of something else that's uh, going on? Almost to the point of mm-hmm. uh, the, the person who just texted on InstaLive. Thank you so much for the comments and the and the questions. Um, in in terms of when can it be masking something else? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are the symptoms we should be looking out for? What questions should we be asking around that? That's coming up next on Life Beats on Pulse ninety five. Pulse ninety five. You're listening to. Pulse 95. Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. 95. Yeah, lots of comments coming in all about video game addiction. Uh, and in some cases, yes, there might not be addiction, but parents do wonder where is the balance. Um, there is one person who's texted in who has said, uh, uh, she's, she's a, a mother and said, I'm torn. My son loves and adores his gaming time. What is the right balance? Um, uh, and she puts right in uh, in quotation marks because, you know, it's difficult to know. Uh, she says, I feel like my kids count their non-electronics time as motivation behind why uh, they can jump on mm-hmm. uh, their devices mm-hmm. later on. So... Um, they use that. A lot of parents do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we do do that where we say to our kids, okay, if you read your textbook or whatever it is um, for X uh, amount mm-hmm. of time, okay, then you can have yeah. um, some video game time. So to that, I mean, a lot of kids, uh, teenagers at the moment are onto Fortnite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big one. And a, a lot of parents are wondering what's going on with this game? Why is it so addictive? Um, and what's the right balance with mm-hmm. things like that? Mm-hmm. So, I can I can go ahead and tell you why it is why it's addicting. Um, basically, uh, Fortnite is like a battle royale game where mm-hmm. 100 players come into one area and they pretty much just like a free for all, and the last man standing wins. And uh, the the reason the fun factor, the addicting factor, is that every game is different. It's not the same. You imagine if you play a game and it feels repetitive, you're gonna get bored. But Fortnite isn't like that. Um, the situations, the scenarios players get into is always random. It could be at one moment intense, another moment could be just kind of like a, uh, kind of like a, uh, what do I call it? Like, uh, it could be a moment where you're just not doing anything at all. Mm-hmm. You're just strategizing with your team. And um, it's just that unpredictable factor to it that mm-hmm. just kind of like, what's going to happen next if I if I play another game? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is the more you play, the better you get. Mm-hmm. And the more, like... The more you want to try new things, yep. you know, and the game allows that. There's that player freedom, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, for kids, uh, this is this is just intoxicating for them. And another thing is is the cosmetics, um, just wearing flashy, cool outfits, um, dancing to the dance moves mm-hmm. that you see trending on on Instagram. We're not talking you know? about real outfits or um, <laughs> no. These are all just virtual cosmetics. This is all on online while yeah. you're playing the game. To, but people actually pay for this mm-hmm. because they want to fi- they want to show off they want to look cool they want to look hip they want to yeah. look like they're you know they want to fit in with the group yep. you know 
when you're just a default skin, when you're just in the beginning, like how you look like, mm -hmm. to uh, that kind of makes you feel like left out, you mm -hmm. know? You And just like any kid, he wants to fit in, you know? He wants to be part of the cool kids in, in class. Mm -hmm. So they, they, they feel like it's justifiable to put money into the game. Mm -hmm. But the thing, they, the thing is they get carried away. They yeah. don't realize how much of this is really bad, you mm -hmm. know? over time yeah it's fine to spend a little bit here and there but the thing is kids how and, uh, much do they spend let's put some figures <laughs> on it what have you seen um i've seen kids pretty much steal their mother's credit cards mm -hmm. and put uh put them pretty much in debt you know because of it uh for example are we talking like thousands of dirhams here thousands of dirhams yeah uh fortnite uh, i'll tell you in a statistic every month fortnite the developers make 300 million dollars dollars yeah yes every month that's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And it became so it became so big that now big big game developers are creating their own battle royale modes mm -hmm. because they know this is a big cash cow. Mm -hmm. We got to go and create our own like now Call of Duty, mm -hmm. Battlefield. Um, um probably I think Halo when mm -hmm. it comes out it's going to probably have its own mm -hmm. battle royale, who knows. But everyone's everyone's jumping the ship. They want to like make the money out of this. It's premium kind of mode or whatever. It's it, it was a mode that was made a couple of years back, but it, it just it was an instant hit, you know, mm -hmm. from uh, the player unknown battleground. Mm -hmm. Then Fortnite did it, mm -hmm. and now every game game company wants to copy it. Yeah, them. because it's working. And that's it's the working. thing that we we talked about earlier. A lot of these games are being developed with input from behavioral scientists. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the studies that have been done um, with these style of games and when they do brain imaging they see that the areas of the brain that are activated are the reward system yes. so you get those hits when mm -hmm. you're playing and when you're doing all of that and you brought up something else that mm -hmm. I think is interesting and important to discuss which is this idea of conformity and part of the reason at least in in our clinic a lot of the kids that come in that are sort of struggling in the parents with the skins and overspending on their parents' credit cards and, and you know, doing all of these kinds of things, it's um, because all their friends have things. And yeah. conformity is a basic human need. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the most essential things that make us human. And so it's understandable. But where where do you draw that line between wanting your child to fit in with their friendship group, not feel left out or less than, but also not just giving into this when you have to draw limitations you have to tell them that you know this kind of behavior uh, if gone too far can be unhealthy you yeah. know and obviously there are repercussions to this financial repercussions mm -hmm. you know you, you can tell the kid that i'm not going to give you any allowance or i'm going to ground you i'm going to take your take your playstation you know you can't be doing this this is not yeah. good yeah. because it, it what it's doing is that it's it's growing this um this behavior at an early age to spend mm -hmm. for something that isn't really worth worthwhile over time. Yeah. You know, and it could lead to, um, uh, I would say, symptoms mm -hmm. of gambling because that's what microtransactions is. Yeah. It's gambling. Yeah. But see, one of the issues that we have, especially with younger kids and also older teens and emerging adults, is that the area of their brain that's responsible for delaying gratification and for controlling their impulses is really, really underdeveloped. So, yes, I totally agree with what you're saying, that they need to have that awareness and they need to understand the implications for their mental health, physical health, financial things and all of that kind of stuff. But when they have that overriding need, it's difficult for them to yeah. to stop. It can't be helped. We all have impulses. You know, you walk down a shop and you see this fancy little dress. Mm -hmm. You want to buy it. You mm -hmm. know, it's, it's again, it's these games 
are feeding off that the irrational part of your brain, which is the impulses. It's like, get yeah. it now. It's on a special so, offer. So, Dr. Sarah, the, as you say, you know, uh, of course, this this part of the brain is underdeveloped, underdeveloped uh, in kids. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with that? You know, to uh, the mother's question that we had earlier, do you just put boundaries and just say you can only have a lim- limited amount of time? Yeah. Um, have you seen cases? Do parents come to you Absolutely. with cases Absolutely. of a fortnight? Fortnite uh, is the main one. Yeah, yeah. What, definitely. Are there any kind of, you know, stories that kind of stick out in your it's mind? many, many, many stories about yeah. kids doing things like getting up in the middle of the night and sneaking out to get their devices. And then the credit card is associated with the account and then racking up all of these amounts and then um, having ga- uh, gaming parties and, you know, your friend has this skin or whatever. So uh, rallying and it just... It's really, really intense. Mm. I think a lot of parents in the UAE are struggling. But actually something that you said Mm. I want to comment on, and I think this is something for us to remember as parents. You said that the skins is like going to a store and like seeing a pair of shoes or a new dress. And I think that's the season. Like it's the fashion season. Go get it. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that's one of the things that we need to remember because, you know, a lot of parents like me look at these uh, skins or whatever things and say well this is ludicrous who would spend money on that but if you ask you know my son for instance Mm -hmm. what do you think about mom's shoe collection he's just like i I really don't understand why (laughs) you would spend money on that so Mm -hmm. i think we need to understand that people have different preferences and priorities and by bearing that in mind it can help us really empathize with them when we end up having that hopefully collaborative conversation about where the boundaries need to be. And then also, as uh, going back to what the mom said on the comment, maybe rather than focusing on an amount of time or whether they should be able to play like on weekends or weekdays, maybe saying something to the effect of video game time can occur once these other things are met. Mm-hmm. And so encouraging them first to make sure that their academic obligations are met, hopefully. They'll be honest about that, Um, that they've pursued some other type of a hobby. And one of the most important things uh, is for kids to also have free free time. So Mm. not just video game time, but also just like free time. Away from a screen. To be, not in a structured way, so that they can learn time management skills, but more importantly, so that they can foster creativity and problem solving. And also uh, just educate the kids about what these microtransactions are mm-hmm. and separate them completely from the game itself yeah. to the business practice of mm-hmm. this little thing that's in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because well, it can be shady. Mm-hmm. It really can be shady. Yeah, we'll, it can. We'll come back in just a moment and uh, talk a bit more about this. Uh, I feel like Fortnite is one of those things. It's It's the game of the moment right mm-hmm. now. It is just taking over, and and parents are really frustrated with it mm-hmm. at times. It even though kids are delighted by it, uh, and so I want to come back, uh, Dr. Sarah, and talk about what we can do uh, if we do see uh, symptoms of a video game addiction. It's life beats on Pulse ninety five. You're listening to Pulse ninety five. Life beats. Life beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse ninety five. Talking video game addiction with Dr. Sarah Rusmi. Uh, she is assistant professor of practice in psychology at the American University of Sharjah. Um, and we've talked so much about the different aspects of video game addiction, Dr. Sarah. But um, in terms of what people can do, particularly parents who might be frustrated with Fortnite, might be 
um, uh, as well in different kind of uh, levels of, mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't want to say, you know, involvement mm -hmm. um, within video games. You know, from, from a parent who's just concerned about how much time their kid is spending to somebody who's really seeing, you mm -hmm. know, signs of addiction, mm -hmm. what are the various things uh, that we can do here about this? So I think the first thing is to try to prevent these things from happening through the dialogues that we discussed. I referenced commonsensemedia.org. It's a really great website. They have on there a template mm -hmm. for uh, media and technology contracts. Mm -hmm. And so you can, as part of your discussion with your child, come up with some expectations and some consequences for if those expectations aren't met, have them sign it and then try to abide by it as much as possible. Interesting. Contracts. Yeah, okay. a contract. It can it can work because that it facilitates a conversation. It's the end product of a conversation. And then um, you have clear, pre-specified, specific implications for adhering to the expectations, but also violating them. You were also talking about um, apps that can be used. Yes, and that's another thing that you can consider and discuss with your child. There are some apps out there that can help monitor or restrict children's use. There's one in particular that um, that we use called RPACT. And basically what it is is an app that you download onto the parent's device as well as the child's device. And you can set specific times where they have access to all of the things on their smartphone and other times where it's blocked. And so I think it's important that our kids, as much as possible, don't have technology in their bedrooms, especially at bedtime, because of a number of reasons. One of the reasons actually is a biological reason is when you have the illumination from a device, it kind of messes with your circadian rhythm and it can disrupt your sleep. Another thing is that when people are getting up in the middle of the night, maybe they tossed or turned, and they reach for their device, then that engages them and it makes it more difficult for them to sleep. And I think not getting enough sleep is one of the major, major things that we are all struggling with. So I think that that's one of the things to do is to either take it out of the bedroom or perhaps block it during the nighttime. You can also think about blocking it during school time. And you can also uh, specify that certain apps are allowed at certain times. So it really helps you regain a little bit of control. But again, I don't think it should be a top down thing where you tell your kids, you can't do this, you can't have this, you can't play this, but rather something that you use to help you enact the contract or the agreement that you collaboratively come up with. Mm, okay. And um, I'd like Kale. to suggest um, a value-based system between parent and child. Mm -hmm. So basically the parent would uh, create a value system where uh, doing your homework, mm -hmm. that's five dirhams. Mm -hmm. uh, cleaning the dishes, that's five to ten dirhams. Mm -hmm. Sweep the living room up, that's ten dirhams, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And he can, uh, and basically they can have it on a sort of like a receipt. Mm -hmm. You know, every time he uh, finishes something, his mom's like, okay, five dirhams. Mm -hmm. And so this can, uh, this is money, you can go to the financial spending yep. that will go to buying you know stuff on mm -hmm. on your PlayStation, mm -hmm. on your games, mm -hmm. you know? But at least it creates a sense of responsibility. And as well, this feeling of like, you know, you've earned it. They yep. work for the money instead yep. of taking your mom's credit card yep. and pretty much maxing yeah. it out. So giving them opportunities to earn money to use in that way. Yeah. But I would say, though, that it's important that we don't pay them to do things that they should do because gonna they're the same members this of the household. Child is so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. And to kind of keep it, you know, they, these are your responsibilities regardless of. Um, maybe do other things. Yeah, or going above and beyond. Yeah. Maybe the responsibilities are to do their own washing, but if you do your sister's because she's a lot younger and she doesn't have to do that yet, then you, you well, can earn something some you money. have to implement uh, constantly. It's yeah. just 
hopefully something might trigger with the kid and mm -hmm. he starts doing it not because he has to but mm -hmm. because he wants to yeah Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Really interesting discussion. Uh, but of course, if somebody needs help with uh, addiction itself, you know, video game addiction, definitely do go and see a professional about mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. um, and get that sorted out. Mm -hmm. uh, it's something beyond what we can talk about here on the show. But at least, you know, this is getting us understanding uh, what to look out for as well. Um, would you mind sticking around, uh, Dr. Sarah? Uh, we would love for you to stick around because uh, coming up next, we've got this story. It just caught my eye yesterday uh, of a Hollywood superstar who was really shocked by the wave of negativity after she posted a candid photo of herself mm -hmm. and her niece online uh, and what that uh -oh. taught her about what kids go through. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit of social media uh, and more around that. So uh, stay tuned. It is Life Beats here with me, Sally Musa on Pulse 95. Keeping it local, all day, every day.